What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. This is episode number 71. We are recording, actually, this time around in a new setting, another relocation, but a rather permanent relocation for the time being. I am your co-host, Jason, and across from me, starry-eyed, wide-eyed, slanted-eyed, just kidding, (laughs) it is Will. (laughs) That is a powerful intro. Goddamn. Wow, you really have to talk about my slanted eyes. I don't have that. My eyes are not slanted. I mean, we're both. We're, have, we're, we're, we're both we're, Asian, so we're, like we're both full pupiled human beings. Yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe this is like crossing the line and being a bit like, like personal. What, but I mean, like crossing the line. Right no. Here? Yeah. Oh wow, wow! <laughs> Thank God we are not doing video, or at least not yet. But uh, yeah, uh, I can't believe we'll. Okay, yeah. Touche, uh, touche. You know. So uh, yeah, you no. do the double eyes lit. You know, people, oh. we have friends who have, I've definitely have friends who have done the, the double eyelid surgery. I know that's a very Asian-specific thing. Oh, no, I've got, I, have a, I have a lot of friends who've done the, the, the eyelid surgery, but that's, like, the most they do. Like, I mean, I don't know too many friends that have gone through, like, full-blown, like, modification surgery and whatnot. But, uh, again, if you feel like you want to do it, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't judge whatsoever. I just think, like, of all of, like, the more, like, plastic surgery, or they call it now reconstruction surgery. I, I feel it's the least invasive it's, one. Yeah, for sure. And the most common one that you hear about, because a lot of people like double eyelids. Yeah. So, yeah, no, we are finally now recording in a much more permanent studio. It's been a long time coming. Over the last three years, we've recorded in various locations around Hong Kong. And now we actually have a dedicated spot where we can just set up our equipment, leave it there, and not have to worry about putting it away, setting it back up again, changing the settings and all that. No. No, but why is that, Will? Why is that? What do you mean, why is that? Because uh, we are now recording in my new place I moved out. So that's why it's now permanent. Yes. Yeah. Uh, rather than, well, I mean, rather than using my apartment, which unfortunately I have to share with somebody. Uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, w- I would love to. Okay. So uh, just, just to sort of let everyone know, I am in a long-term relationship. I'm actually about to get married. So things are uh, getting real hot and heavy uh, in, the, uh, in my household. Um, but that also means that uh, I got to do a little compromising uh, with how the apartment is. So when we first moved into our place, I wanted the study to essentially be like a board game slash podcast room, a little den of men. Uh, no, my uh, my fiance was was not cool with that at all. Uh, so it's now just a proper study. So, uh, yeah, that's why it was a little bit hard to have it as a permanent setup because we didn't want to have like the microphone arms and the sound card and everything just permanently sitting there because it actually took a, a fair amount of space but yeah. now now it's probably a lot more easy just to have everything laid out and uh just no need to tinker with anything anymore plus i think one of the benefits of like the new setup and similar to our old first setup at the office space was the fact that we can like stare into each other's eyes because at your apartment, like, not throwing shade, because it was It was all... hard to have it, like, a little island, you know what I mean? Where like, yeah. we actually sit across from each other. We had to kind of just face the wall and turn to the side just to be able to record. And that's what we ended up doing. So, I mean, it's, it was a compromise for the situation. Hey, it worked out position. for a whole year. Yeah, it was know? great. 
it, it was great, honestly. So. Actually, shit, yeah. I just realized we've been recording at that place for a whole year now. And Bro, now, yeah. we're almost on the three-year anniversary, and we moved how many times? We're three locations. It's yeah. kind of weird. We recorded yeah. at uh, my my old office. We recorded at my, my parents' place, and I was still living there. And then we recorded oh, yeah, at, during COVID. During That's right. COVID. Okay, so that's four times. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And we, we, we recorded all of those. Did we ever record at your parents' place? Nope. We might have just done like a lot of like pre-planning and a lot of scripting and all that. It would be remote work if we did like anything related. Actually, to- yeah. I recorded with you like a couple times like out in Canada. Yeah. That was that was actually kind of hard. What, what was it? You were on you were in the basement at like 5 a.m. I was actually on the, on the roof, like in the, in, in the attic. That's ideal podcast. But it was also like cold as shit. It was like dead of winter. Yeah, because it's fucking Canada, bro. Toronto too, dude. It was like no, no, like more north of actual like the GTA. I was up in like Richmond Hill. Like the like the kind of situations where oh, when you drive, you have to put fucking chains on your wheels type scenario. You have to sit in your car and like wait thirty minutes to defrost your windows. Otherwise, like you are literally a hazard on the road. That kind of thing. I yep. mean, you you lived up in like. Like the Northeast, like New England before, like the winters must have been fucking brutal up there too. Uh, my sophomore year at high school had a world record, I mean, not world record, like record breaking 10 minute frostbite warning. And I did not understand or understood the situation of how dire it was because just walking from like one building to the next, it, I dramatically underestimated like, oh, I wasn't wearing gloves. And everyone looked at me like, dude, like. You will. It's ten minute frostbite warning. I'm just like, but from from one billion to another is like less than ten minutes. I was like naive and stupid like that. How and many snow days did you have when you were in New England? None. None really. <laughs> because it's because they're all fucking used to it. That's bro. true. No, yeah, actually, so like it was like I'm not sure how real it is, but there was like uh, a couple reports of like schools now when there were there were snow days. They didn't cancel school because of the fact that now you could just remotely tap into you know a Zoom. Or Google Meets and go to class that way. And a lot of kids shit out of luck, bro. I mean, it's the same with all office workers now, right? Like when it was COVID, or if there was like, for example, here in Hong Kong, when you have like a black rain or like a typhoon, which happened to us a couple of weeks, a, co- well, a couple of months, right? Yeah, you would just work from home, so there was no day off. Of course, you're not supposed to have a day off, but it's like when you have like natural rainstorms or just you know hurricanes and whatnot, a lot of stuff gets like you know put on hold. Problem is, a lot of jobs in Hong Kong are kind of tied to the stock market, and uh, you know there are certain individuals that don't want the market to close. So there's some weird fuckery down in the South China Sea that disperses all the rain right before the the week starts, and then the, you know your your weekend's ruined. But you know you're fine to go to work on Monday. Yeah, but the monolith doesn't care. Exactly. I, I mean, mean, didn't they had like that movie poster of that Typhoon Ten afterwards where people was like. Oh, well, you found Gong or yeah. something like that. It's like some. It's, it's like very dramatic, like yeah. end of the apocalypse. But yeah. oh, I still have to go back to work. Like that's like the Asian or the Hong Kong mentality. Uh, speaking of, uh, real quick, guys, our setup has not fully like been settled in, so you might hear some background noise, but that will dissipate over the you know the, the other few recordings. But just FYI, there will be a bit of like traffic noise and you just, whatnot. You're just going to buy more stuff. That's it, man. You're just going to buy more board games, got to buy more podcast equipment. Y- yeah. Maybe yeah. You get a couple more like ladders. There's one right behind you. 
Yes, there is. But uh, now it's time to climb out of our segues and uh, rambles and go into the main discussion topic this time around, which is to give thanks. Because, you know, we thought, hey, uh, it's almost Thanksgiving in America, and I miss a lot of Thanksgiving traditions. So why not, when we spend a lot of time, rightfully, in my opinion, criticizing the industry, analyzing it with a you know, fine-tooth comb, but there's always good stuff. There's always things that, on the flip side, that we tend to forget or take for granted. So I thought we would take the opportunity this time around to give thanks to of what anime and manga has given us and will give us in the future. Yeah, we've been pretty critical of uh, anime, not specifically just anime, but the industry We're, behind uh, it as well. Committee, production committee. So it's about time that we do a you know a complete one eighty and you know just be a little bit more nicer uh, to the industry, to the medium, and everything that's connected to it. You know, kumbaya, my lord, kumbaya, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so but before we get into main discussion topic, we do have some news stories that I think are rather interesting. Some really heavy ones. Which one do you want to start with, actually? Uh. Take your pick. We had the four. Should we just do the the, the big fucking monopoly? Just, yeah, sure. You know, because uh, what would be you know a JP podcast news section without talking about you know a company being bought out by a fucking monolith? Uh, Disney is doing to be acquiring Comcast's remaining stake in Hulu for roughly eight point six billion U.S. dollars. So, for people who have been using Disney Plus or Hulu, you might have seen that you know, other than just getting Disney Plus, you could also add a couple dollars per month and also get access to Hulu content. Um, and it's because of the fact that Disney Plus did have a pretty big stake in Hulu uh, from Comcast. Uh, now what they've done is gone ahead and bought the remaining 33% uh, of, uh, of their stake. So now they fully own the entirety of the streaming service. Now, what does that mean for anime streaming specifically? Not all that much. There's not a whole lot of content that's you know, anime-specific on Hulu or Disney+. Plus. But recently, Disney+, Plus has been like adding more to their catalog. So I don't remember which ones they had. Um, but uh, yeah, you should be expecting... It, it's kind of like you know the early days of, of Netflix when you, know, you would see a lot of stuff come out on Crunchyroll and then maybe like a few months afterwards, then Netflix would be able to get it. Wait, you... Disney Plus has probably two of your favorite series this year, though. Yeah. So I do think someone there is really making very strategic like licensing choices. So that's very interesting. Of course, Hulu and Disney Plus offers you know a catalog of anime titles, but it is rather bare bones compared to all of the other platforms that you would do or would you know pursue, whether it's Netflix or Crunchyroll. So I think it's one of those where oh, I have Disney Plus anyways, and now it's kind of integrated now with Hulu. I think Hulu and Disney had like some sort of tentative connection previously, and now it's obviously way more in, like ingrained into each other. But with Hulu, I think they're okay uh, from an from anime perspective in terms of what they offer. I do think, though, Disney Plus has the extra benefit, at least with, like, Heavenly Delusions and Summertime Render of, like, having English dubs released pretty soon, if not simul-dub in the past. So, you know, it is, like, an interesting, like, paradigm shift nonetheless because Disney is now fucking huge. Yeah. So, you you know when you were saying very bare bones in terms of the anime catalog for Disney Plus? Uh, there are currently only five titles on there that are, like, 
anime specifically. Uh, Tokyo Revengers. Interestingly, I didn't actually realize okay, they were on there. Okay. Heavenly Delusions. Fucking amazing. Uh, Summertime Rendering. Still on there. Okay, let me guess the last two. You probably won't be able to guess them at all. Bleach? No. They're, they're, okay, one is a massive Disney franchise. Anime? Yes. Remember, this is a massive Disney franchise that also does do a couple of anime shorts. Kingdom Hearts? No. Okay, okay. Okay, tell me. You hate this franchise. Well, uh, okay. What is it? Star Wars. Star Wars Visions. Visions. Okay, okay. To be fair, Star Wars Vision, that anthology series, I heard a lot of positive things. And I don't hate Star Wars. I just don't necessarily care about it that much. The other one that they have is called Sinduality Noir. Oh, my God. I know that. Oh, Jesus. Isn't that the boy band one? The year is 2242. Kanata, an aspiring drifter, meets Noir, a magus with no memories. Uh, That's just basically it. Just uncovering the past of some random husk of a human robot. Who knows? This is just basically Ghost in the Shell. But pretty boys. I mean, there's a pretty girl. Is that a girl or boy? I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I just heard the name. That's it. Yeah. So I think what we have here is essentially just par for the course. Disney being one of the, not one of, the biggest uh, media platform in the world. I think that uh, this shouldn't come to no surprise in terms of them being able to acquire the rest of uh, of Hulu. Um, there hasn't been too much change in terms of like uh, what the um, what their subscription plans and their prices will be, but I think they may be adding like a, a couple dollars. I think it's like from the the the, the ad free tier goes from like ten ninety nine US through to thirteen ninety nine, uh, which oh, changed fourteen ninety nine to seventeen ninety nine. Yeah, that's the that's ad free tier um, for, for Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. yeah. You get the whole bundle though for nineteen ninety nine. It's kind of a no brainer, and I think it's kind of those price, uh, like. Well, you say no brainer in terms of like using it as a streaming platform, but if you wanted to go still like anime specific, oh yeah, for then, sure, yeah, I, I, we, we've talked about this before. This, Absolutely, this is still something that is like new ground for for Disney Plus. Who knows? Maybe in a year or two, you're going to start seeing them actually, you know, picking up more studios, more licensing rights. It, it, it could be a lot more. It, make a, it could make a lot more sense if you were to use Disney+. Plus, But for now, I still think Netflix and Crunchyroll, you got everything covered there. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where when Netflix anime, quote-unquote, first started with like Violet Evergarden and stuff, everyone was just like, oh, it's kind of cool. Oh, you did you did get like a couple of like exclusives. And then everyone was just like, let's see how it goes. Then years later, holy shit, it's kind of like a staple. Yeah. So... And so, Disney yeah. has that reach. Come yeah. on. Netflix, Crunchyroll, for the time being, still the way to go. If you got an extra $5 a month, then add High Dive in there if you care for it. Um, I mean, of course, they've got some pretty damn good exclusives, too. So why not? Um, now, speaking about wholly owning studios and networks and platforms, uh, we got another major acquisition coming down as well. Katagawa aims to establish more wholly owned studios focused on anime. So uh, they reported their earnings, uh, their quarterly earnings, actually, back in September 30th. Uh, and during that uh, that report, they had mentioned that there has been a plan to establish more wholly owned anime studios under its corporate group umbrella. Uh, so they already are a major owner in a few uh, anime studios, like 
NG, NGI, uh, ENGI, all capitalized, essentially. And the other one being Kinema Citrus. So they've got quite a few things already going on. They also established their own studio, Studio Kadan, uh, with a 97.5 investment back in June of 2021. So pretty much all of it. Yep. However, yeah, I think for them, because of how much money they've been making and they can see that there's been a lot of growth in this particular sector for them, uh, they've been trying to get more 100% wholly owned anime studios. So it added Rising Bull, uh, which is a, a high-end studio, uh, and they brought along um, the director of Eureka 7, uh, Tomoki Kyoda. You like your, uh, Eureka 7 I really a lot. Love, I really love. As a really old anime, but it's one of those where... 2005, I think it was, 50 episodes. It was quite long to watch. It was a very much slow burn, the first, like, two curves which is crazy to say it's like who the fuck would want to sit around for two curves and be like this is gonna get good right Wait, clan ad says hello though yeah 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 i mean i mean modern like when i mean by modern uh animes i mean like maybe in the last 10 years like no one really does like a double cur build up yeah that's kind of hard to swallow right? so with this particular news yeah sounds like another thing but at the same time the main crux of this is actually not the acquisitions itself, but rather the plans for the coming years for Katagawa. So they've been planning to invest in more anime titles. So far this year, they've been looking to do around 40 or more per year, uh, but only five of those are produced in-house. So what they're trying to do is trying to push it up to around maybe 50% of them being produced in-house, but also increase the amount of like seasons and episodes per anime title. Now, yeah. the last sentence is very important. And one mm-hmm. that we probably want to spend a little time dissecting. I, I, yeah, I think we would spend a lot of time talking about these news stories. So it is interesting because when you have essentially kind of like a commission of getting an outside studio to do your anime production or adaptation versus doing something in-house has both pros and cons. And this was something that... Uh, we didn't really touch on because it's not really related to, for example, our After Dark, where we talk about production committees, nor is it about the animation production process, which we did way, way, way back, like the first, like I think episode eight or something. But this is, like, what is your take on the the pros and cons of a wholly owned in-house versus like a, you know, like a third-party commission or like studio? The main thing is essentially getting more creative control over your product. And especially if it's like you're trying to, you know, endorse, advertise, and push out, you know, the products to come under your corporate umbrella. And Kadokawa is kind of, has a shit ton of light novels and mangas under his belt because they are a publishing company. So you biggest. would imagine as well then it's like, for example, you know, they, they own Kinema Citrus, right? Mm-hmm. So if they were then to be like a lot more hands-on with, say, for example, Rising of the Shield Hero, yeah. uh, now we've, you know, covered the sort of you know roller coaster experience that people have had in terms of watching um, seasons one through three so far. I mean, three is still ongoing right now, right? Yes, yeah. correct. But you know, we've already talked about how like you've you've experienced highs and unfortunately massive lows uh, of the history of the anime adaptation for Rising of the Chill Hero. Imagine they come in now. It's like you know what? No, this time around we actually want to make it right and we want to make sure that if we're producing this, that is the best quality possible, given the resources that we're putting into it. Now, again, we've talked about the production committee process behind things. It's not always that black and white, but I think it's it's it makes sense that a studio or a corporation would want to make sure that they do all the quality assurance necessary to be able to, you know, have a good product come out. Yeah, and having it in-house provides, I guess, some sort of budget, streamlining as well as when you have everything in-house it's kind of like you're on the same team 
So, okay, maybe like using the analogy of like a building. So the Katakawa building, you are all in, on different floors, like different anime studios on different floors, but you all like are interwoven in the same building. There might be cross pollination or co-productions, but own, not officially, but like, hey, you are another in-house. You, you should talk to them. They know this part better. And since it's kind of like all under this corporate umbrella, you can just ask them how to do something and whatnot. I can see that happening and never being mentioned, right? Yeah. One, one thing I think people might be wary of is um, how, you know, politics would then play into it as well. Mm -hmm. um, now, we don't really want to go deep into it because, again, it's a lot of speculation. Absolutely. We, we don't know, of course, like how the corporate structure would affect the sort of, you know, dynamics of working with a third party as opposed to working with someone that's literally under your foot. But I could definitely definitively say it would be affected whether positive or negative how much how little that, that would see, be yeah. yeah there would be an effect nonetheless but let's talk to actually the other thing is the work output yeah. so 40 anime titles per year that sounds a lot but you have to know that Karokawa makes a lot of anime productions per year with multiple studios so it's not one studio even if you consider this new in-house structure it's not one studio, it's more like five or six because we just name dropped a bunch. Yeah. And more they often, would yeah. make 40 in a year. Yeah, more often than not, you would see like a production like credit for Kadogawa uh, somewhere in like the, the opening credits or the, the ending credits, right? Yeah, just think of it like Aniplex, like that level of like uh, acknowledgement at the very least. But I think the most interesting one though, mm -hmm. which is legitimately, I think the most like kind of ten, like, like, there will be a lot of tension points. Yep. The increase in the amount, the amount of seasons and episodes per anime title. Now, Absolutely. That, that one, like, what the hell does that mean? You know? Like, are we talking about, like, like, for them going into, like, their manga publishing site and say, whatever manga you're making, if it's good, you got to have at least, like, 20 plus volumes so we can milk the shit out of it by having as much anime really push this product and get more people to buy our shit. I th like here is my speculation on that. So the first thing that I think is rather interesting off the off the bat is they straight up said number of seasons and episodes. So it is first of all anime production in terms of getting new seasons renewal and stuff like that. And if we exclude shonen, which I think let we can talk about shonen like even within this discussion, but exclude that for the time being. Usually, animes having like you know a second or third season sometimes is just out of the question, and uh, we have talked about it before. And I think it's one of those things where if you watch a lot of anime, you just know it would be nice to get that second season, but it's like pretty much a pipe dream. So straight up, be like, oh, the number of seasons we're going to increase that. So it's just going to be like, oh, they're doubling down. Then the number of episodes you could see that as, oh multiple seasons would mean more episodes or you could see since they said seasons and episodes it's like yo you like this anime or we're doubling down here we're also doubling down the amount of curs released do so you think rather than just doing like a single a singular season cur it might just be like you know what fuck it we're writing this anime for half a year we're doing a double cur i would say split cur but yes yeah for that year it would be like equivalent to two curs and I think also the other thing that there that is like implied is 
because Katakawa obviously publishing arm has their own manga light novel. So rather than, you know, getting the IPs of other publishing companies, it's like, yo, let's have everything in-house. We have like our own line of mangas. So it's a kind of a gutsy call to be like, we are essentially saying publicly acknowledging that we will probably double down on a lot of our IPs and won't just have one season and call it quits. It's like we're going for the long game. Now, it's it's all well said and good from saying it versus implementing and doing it. But it is very ballsy when you consider the Japanese culture of we don't really want to say a lot, even though we know Demon Slayer is going to get renewal we don't announce it until the finale episode of that arc. It's kind of like Shield Hero and Mashal adaptations where they kind of just straight up said, oh, we're doing this for three seasons. We're adapting all of it. It's so rare these days because it's such a gutsy call, right? Yeah. So it, it, it's to be seen like how this acquisition uh, of like, you know, more Holy Ode Studios is going to play out for Kadokawa and probably other corporations under this this, this anime protection hood. Um, but, you know, like, I, I think that what we can at least expect is we're just going to see more anime. Yeah. That, that, that's the main thing there. All right. So uh, a quick thing before we get into our last news story, which I think is kind of funny, but let's, you know, pay our respects. So... We mentioned a couple episodes, or I think last episode, about Studio Ghibli. And they are now being, I guess, bought out by Nippon Nippon TV. NTV, yep. And uh, because of that, they are now officially shutting down their official Twitter account. Now, that may not seem like a big deal because it kind of is not. But I think it's one of those like symbolic gestures and symbolic actions that is kind of like, oh, end of an era, that kind of thing. And... Uh, within the Asian culture, definitely within the Japanese culture, uh, this like symbolic kind of gesture. I mean, the fact that in our news story, you can't even find yeah, they're the, all dead. The, the, yeah. the, 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 the Twitter post or X, X post, yeah. X formerly Twitter post. I have to, they have to, everyone has to say that now. It's really annoying. Um, it's just like at the end of an era, it's like, oh shit, it's real now. Like there are like being bought into the NTV. So it's it's just moving into a new era now. Yeah. So it's not necessarily there's anything new or earth shattering in that. It's just kind of like closing the books officially and now shit is real. Yeah. I wouldn't worry too much about you know the future of Ghibli. I think they're gonna be in safe hands. They have to be in safe hands. Um so yeah, don't 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 get too upset about it. Um I can imagine there's gonna be some diehard fans that are a little bit like shocked by the sudden uh closure of uh, the Twitter account, but it's neither here or there. Like, don't worry too much about it. Y'all still get more Ghibli down the road. And you know, if you haven't watched Born the Heron yet, go watch it. I mean, is it when is it out in Hong Kong? I don't know actually. I haven't really, really checked, but um, I'm sure it'll come out sometime early next year. All right, we'll find out and we'll watch. If we watch it, we'll report on it. So the last bit of news. Here's the thing, guys. Right now, as of right now. To my knowledge, and correct me if I'm wrong, Will, Attack on Titan is finished. Yep. The anime adaptation. Of course, the manga has been finished for quite some time. Yep. But now, what, season three, no, final season part three, part two. Did I say that correctly? I don't fucking know, man. (laughs) But it it sounds about right, right? Um, 
is now officially completed, which then meant that the end of the whole anime adaptation has been completed. But one of the things that I think was very controversial from for a lot of people was how the anime is going to end based on how the manga ended. And, um, well, uh, they said that the anime's finale, which I guess has already aired, is going to differ, quote-unquote, a little from the original manga's ending. Um, I don't know how to really interpret this because I didn't watch the, you know, series finale, but... But you read the whole thing, right? It's it's really hard to end an anime that has... Or, I'm sorry, a manga that has so much hype behind it. Yeah. I think even Demon Slayer's official ending and epilogue, I had a lot of problems with. I didn't like it at all. It's It's really hard. I mean, like, there's been countless, like, YouTubers that have been, like, trying to dissect the way to properly end an anime or a manga. And, unfortunately, it's, like... One out of like a hundred series that actually gets a proper send off. A lot of times, people just get hung up and don't want something to end. But then when it does end, you know, they realize, you know what? Like, actually, yeah, no, this this is done. Like, I don't want to see any more of this. Or they are just very very disappointed about how it ended. Yeah. Or I thought that this manga was gonna go a little bit longer, and then your editor tells you, yo, you better end this in like six chapters because it's getting axed. And then now you have to like scramble and figure out some way to like resolve it as best that you can, right? Um, I can tell you for a fact that the ending for the manga was controversial. Both okay, by the way, we're not gonna spoil anything. That's another thing that I want to say. But the key thing is just it was very controversial. It was very controversial. I liked it. I was cool with it. I just didn't – I also get the hate or the, the unsatisfied resolution that a lot of people have been saying. So I guess because of that, they're caving in slightly. And also, I guess, to hype up the series finale. So not even season. The series finale to be like, oh, it's going to be, quote, unquote, a little different. So – Maybe you should watch it because even though you hate the manga, maybe the anime ending is the thing that you're looking for. Now, I don't know because I didn't watch it yet, but I don't know. Like, I mean, it's also 85 minutes long. It's a short movie. This is like for sure now. Like, oh, it's Oshinoko, but you, finale you, you, style. You gotta like do the proper send off for all the Attack on Titan fans because they were already pissed enough along the journey in terms of like how long it took for the second season to come out. They waited six years for it, and then there was also I waited, we waited, yeah. yeah. And then they had the, the 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 Mappa handover as well, and there was a lot of hate on that side too. It didn't help that you know there were a lot of reports of you know not so good news happening at the Mappa Studios themselves. Um, and now, you know, this this is also like another contentious point. You know, there's going to be people with like purists of the manga. They're like, like, don't sell it. Leave it as is. And then there are others like, no, I'm thankful that they're doing this. Like, they better not fuck this up. Yeah, and there's also going to be people that, that I also, also subscribe to this for certain series where I don't like the ending, but please just do the ending as intended rather than do your own anime original ending. I, I I really do believe some people believe in that, even though they hate that uh, ending for AOT. They're just like, well, just don't do anything different. Just do it the same because please just don't. Because, you know, Promise Neverland season two, it's like, just just don't, bro. Like, don't. Don't do, like, Game of Thrones final season. Don't. No. You know? So, I don't know. Uh, it is very contentious. A lot of opinions and stances on multiple sides. So, 
but it's over. Yeah, again, it's is it good news? Is it bad news? We don't know because we haven't watched the finale. But regardless, it is the end of a very pivotal anime series in the modern era. Ten and, years. Yeah. Ten years ago it came out first. Like this is this is it. Like AOT fans, like I hope y'all got the right send off you wanted because there's not gonna be any more of it. And thank you, AOT. Yeah, no, it, it was it was a really fucking good series. And I think that like for them wanting to give it, I guess, a proper ending, at least in the anime form, I'll, I'll take that as a positive. I'll take that as a win. Uh, Will, uh, I'm going to ask you now, kind of, uh, do you think now that all of the AOT stuff is out, should we should do a series discussion and revive a segment for the After Dark? I'm putting you on the spot. No. Okay. I've had enough of Attack on Titan, to be fair. Enough. Enough said. Enough done. I get you. All right. So that is the end of our news story. We did have another thing about Aaron Yeager, but I think we're okay talk, not talking about it. Yep. Attack so, on Titan fans, y'all already had enough of Attack on Titan news. We are now done with our news section. That was a long one, actually. That was like a good 25 minutes. Um, but, uh, you know, we hadn't really done a whole lot of news before uh, in the last couple episodes. So this is a good time to essentially catch up on things. Um, some of these might be a little bit old, especially, for example, like the Attack on Titan one. Like the finale came out last week. But, yeah. um, you know, we still wanted to give our two cents on how we felt that their adaptation process uh, should, should, be re- should be received. Yeah, and I think a lot of the concepts of, oh, should you adapt it or not? Is it different or not? Is irregardless of any series, any hype, any anticipation is a cornerstone of contention among, you know, anime and manga fans. So, hey, that's why we talked about it. Yep. Now we move into, I suppose, the first part of our main discussion topic, as mentioned by Jason. Uh, We are going to be changing our tone, and we are not going to be super critical about anime, manga, the industry, the production companies, the studios, and whatnot, and instead being grateful, giving thanks for all the hard work, all of the wonderful things that we've consumed, both from anime and manga. So we have kind of split this main discussion topic into several chunks, and we will kind of have a dedicated section where we are, you know, grateful for, like, for example, we will have a section on series and characters or trends and practices or, you know, manga as like a platform or certain companies or anime manga as a medium, kind of kind of go from small scale to big. So let's start with... um, grateful for any specific series or characters will do you have anything that you are want to like mention off the rip to be fair i think that there's a lot of stuff that we've watched over this year that has kind of just come out of nowhere and really just showed us like you know what like it's not always just bleach it's not always just one piece it's not always just the hype shonens there are certain series that just pop up uh, and remind us that it doesn't always just have to be shown in actions and isekais that really get the blood flowing and make you really, really appreciate anime and manga. I think that one series that you really, really like, right? It's, um, I keep forgetting the name of it. Um, that uh, The one with the, um, the girl on the guitar and all that. The one with, oh, Bochi the Rock? Yeah, Bochi the Rock. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that one legitimately, like when you saw things like 
Kaguya-sama, when you saw things like, um, I, I suppose, Oshinoko to an extent, uh, just because, Absolutely, of, just because yeah. of the pedigree it carries, uh, along with um, Fruits Basket as well, when they were like, scaling uh, the, the top of the charts for my anime list. It was like pretty much expected that they would do that, but then to see Bochi the Rock pushing up towards like a nine out of ten on my anime list, sitting at like what, an eight point nine one, eight point nine something. Let me just double check the score. But you watch the whole series, and I haven't watched a single episode. But that doesn't mean that like I have nothing to say about it. What I appreciate and what I'm thankful for is that it's not always just going to the bare minimum and showcasing what people like. Sometimes it's also pretty good, pretty good to just try something different, put it out there, and let people appreciate it. And what happened was a whole lot of people appreciated Bochy the Rock. Like I have friends who to this day still won't shut the fuck up about Bochy the Rock. I'm not talking about you specifically. Oh, really? I'm, I'm talking, I, I'm talking I about know. other friends. Yeah. Okay. We can talk about those uh, friends uh, in name. Uh, you know, when we are going into our break, like eight point eight one, not eight point nine one. That's still fucking, fucking phenomenal. Group. Wait, what's top, the rank? Top thirty. Jesus Christ! That's this, fucking... is for, this is for all like animes, including like ONAs, OVAs, movies, one shots, and all that. Uh, if we were just talking about anime, just specifically as a TV series, then that would be a hmm, even higher. Holy shit! Twenty one. Holy fuck! That's phenomenal. But I think one of the the series that I am very grateful for, going actually against what you said about run of the mill shonen is JJK. I think, look, we like to say a lot of negative things about shonen action as a genre, and I think we are at that age bracket where we grew up with anime and manga and also then are kind of done. Like, at least my opinion is I fully respect Naruto and Bleach. It's not like I hate it because it was a it was during my formative years. But I think JJK is like and Demon Slayer is the modern equivalent of those shows because you grew up with it. They're hype. They're amazing. And at the end of the day, JJK, it's like same shit, different day, but best possible way. And I think Demon Slayer in many ways is like that as well. Uh, I think there are certain episodes are just phenomenal in the Demon Slayer repertoire. I don't need to mention what those episodes are. I think everyone knows, especially in the first season, that one episode. Uh, I think episode 19 is the one uh but look do you know how influential jjk is dear listeners uh i'm not gonna say the actual spoiler for it so don't worry but the recent manga chapter i think a couple of weeks back had a very very big moment i'll just say that and it was so massive of a change even though i think will and i and a lot of people knew that it was going to happen but then it then happened people there was a mangaka that took a break because of that we didn't report on it because we didn't really want to go over the spoiler part but that was how influential it is jjk is massive and it is one of those where instead of saying naruto or bleach nowadays if you just kind of like interview like some kid off the streets they'll be like oh it's jjk it is you know demon slayer and i am grateful because they kind of reinvent the wheel ever so slightly with the shonen genre that i can't really say a lot of negative stuff about it i'm just quite happy about it yeah as much you know hype and you know typical 
a series JJK is, it's cool to see that we're able to continuously push the shonen action trope on people and it doesn't get stale for the majority. I think in the end, of course, it's got the ingredients to be popular, to be in like the mainstream and have people like gluing their eyes on watches. I mean, dude, like all you have to do is just be like, I got three main characters and they're all really, really cool. They're all really quirky in their own ways and they're all doing some real demon curse ninja fighting shit. Two guys, one Two guys, one girl. Always is that makeup, right? So there you go. It'd be interesting to see if they change that up. To be honest, but, I think uh, I think yeah. everyone will lose their minds in like a meme sense if that ever occurs. But I think another series that I also am eternally grateful for that actually came out extremely recently is Pluto. Uh, it is a series that harkens back to the old school noir, the really slow pace. The kind of show that obviously is by the same manga who did Monster. So it's unsurprising of kind of the gravity, the weight, the burdens of the characters, how thoughtful it is and how slow it fucking is in the in the kind of the modern era of, oh, get the premise out the door, just f- off the rip. Oh, I'm isekai Oh, okay. I will just, uh, I know this video this is now a video game. So, okay, this is the menu. This is whatever. But to have a very slow burn anime is extremely rare. Then you have M2, who kind of has his first major showing with this. And out of nowhere, also, it's a Netflix exclusive, which we haven't really gotten in a major capacity where, and it was a development hell forever. Then all of a sudden coming out, and I don't even remember how what, what was the ranking now. Where would you rate it in terms of Netflix originals? Oh, right. I see. Um, So we had a mutual friend and I had a conversation with him and I said that it is top three of all time on Netflix anime. That if someone were to be like, oh, I have Netflix. What are the three anime series I should check? File Evergarden, Cyberpunk, Edge Runners, and Pluto. Pluto. Absolutely. Those are the three. I think those cover a wide range of genres and show what anime is all about. Yeah. One thing that I'm very thankful for in anime slash manga form, it's not a series but a movie. And I know that it did its first screening last year in November, but we only watched it at the beginning of this year. Suzume. Mm. I am very thankful, not just specifically to the movie itself, but also to Makoto Shinkai because of the fact that I think a lot of people to this day still ride on that Your Name train where it's just like, look, it is one of the biggest movies of all time in anime form. I didn't think it was that great. People won't shut the fuck up about it. They think it's like the greatest anime movie since Spirited Away, which I also thought wasn't that great. Um, but um, to then have Suzume come out with probably one of the most powerful soundtracks I've ever heard in a movie. The best cold open in a movie I've seen in recent memory. Radwimps fucking slaying it with the music as well. Like, God, there, there was almost nothing to hate about Suzume. I think the story was wonderful. The characters were beautifully voiced. Everything looks so eclectic and, and pretty. Um, and of also the little tidbit at the end of why this, series, this movie existed in the first place. Yeah, props to you because I didn't piece it together, but you pieced it together and I was just like, oh shit, I feel like such a dummy because I didn't even pick that up. But yeah, it was very obvious as to what the movie was really about in many ways yeah. and uh i think as well i mean like this is not specifically you know 
against you, but like you weren't necessarily the biggest of Shinkai fans, right? I think like you you liked this stuff, but it's like there were probably other like anime movie directors that you would probably default to if you were to like have like that Mount Rushmore of anime series and movies directors. Well, to be fair, it would be I mean, Shinkai would be on there. Right. But yeah. like barely though, because outside of like before Suzuma came out, would you have put him on there solely based on weathering yes. with you and with but but like is it just because there's no one else? It's like pedigree. Um, I would say like modern, right? So we're not talking about Miyazaki because if if we mention Miyazaki, Mountain Rushmore would just have Miyazaki, okay? So, but if we exclude him, it would there would be three, which were actually we covered them for our. It would be uh, Makoto Shinkai, Hosoda, and it would be Yuasa. Those three are a hundred percent would be on my anime Mount Rushmore for anime movies. I would. It's it, it's it's. Obviously hard, but of course, like I would, you'd have to put Miyazaki on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like to take him out there just kind of does a disservice to like all the work he's done. It would have been for me, Yuasa, biased as fuck. I know, Hosoda, of course, you know the big guy Ghibli himself, Satoshi Kon. You see, I knew about Satoshi Kon that you would say that I would put Satoshi Kon next to Miyazaki on like another plane of existence yeah because i don't think like personally saying hosoda shinkai and yuasa all outstanding directors it's just doesn't it's not the same with saying i mean not fair yeah exactly like satoshi khan had a very uh good movie called tokyo grandfathers or something and i think that is so encapsulating of like miyazaki and satoshi khan is the og grandfather that a lot of people not only look up to, but I think Yuasa obviously has a huge admiration and re- actual personal relationship with Satoshi Khan yep. at, at Madhouse, right? Yeah. Before it kind of disintegrated the first time around. Yep. So with this, you know, metaphorical Mount Rushmore of anime producers and directors, I think that Shinkai now is pushing the needle. Rather than like just sort of like and I don't think he does this, but like rather than just you know resting on the laurels of you know your name and to some extent weathering with you, I think now we finally have a movie where if we're talking about Mokoto Shinkai, this is the one that I would recommend. I would easily push Suzume over anybody wanting to watch your name. I mean, I would say in order of my favorite is Suzume by a mile. Hundred percent. I would. I think I gave that a nine out of ten. But really, it's like yeah, a you nine. gave it eight out of ten. Really? <laughs> I saw on my. I mean, let's just my know, Suzume. Yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah. Oh shit! You must have must slip. It was just a slip of your mouse. But um, Suzume, and then it would be your name, and then very far down would be Weathering with You. I still think Weathering with You is great, and it looks great, but it just is not the same amount of impact that I felt with the previous two movies on that list. But. Nonetheless, Suzume got that shit on lock. You get what I mean? Yeah. Oh man, like just now, like even talking about it, I still have like the do 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 It's still like ringing in my head. Oh my god, I loved it so much. It's it's one of those movies that like I feel like I, I never really rewatch a whole a lot of movies just because it's like you already have that first hand experience, and then to go back in, it kind of feels like you're just seeing it all over again. But with the fact that you know what's going to happen. I could probably rewatch Suzume again, just for the music. 
You should just listen to Suzume's do, do, music. Do, do, true, true, true. Yeah. I could just put reference on my on my um, Spotify and just listen to that. But... I mean, I listen to a lot of the Weathering with You soundtrack as well. So let's just say the Shinkai movies tend to have pretty damn good soundtracks. A lot of it. So okay, um, let me talk about. Well, let me let me talk about a a, a movie that you and I have not watched at all. But we slam dunk. Well, yeah, but we should watch that. Uh, that we absolutely need to watch ASAP as soon as possible. Not actually the ASAP is um, in UO. <sighs> and here's the thing of why I'm grateful for in UO, and also in the way grateful for Bell, is that with Bell being at the Cannes Film Festival, getting a standing ovation. I mean, I talked about that news story multiple times even if we talk about not reporting on it that news story i still talked about it endlessly is because it's kind of that gesture of acceptance within the greater film community the greater world of anime and manga i'm also extremely grateful for the amount of impact despite having not seen it yet of inuo because how is it possible that a shamisen rock opera spirited away type music thing. There was like a quote by like some critic that described what Inuo was, and it just sounded like, yeah, was it like an ad lib? Like, oh, insert adjective here, insert crazy music genre here. And I don't think he's lying either. I forgot that quote. It was in the trailer. It was hilarious because it's like, yeah, that's exactly what you what I would expect out of Yuasa, right? And um, are, are you looking for that quote? No, no, no. I'm oh, not. okay, okay. But, but um, I mean, I, I mean, you know how much I fucking love Yuasa. Yeah, and we really need to, like, sit down and watch it. We kind of have been putting it off, but I think Inuo is, is, is something that we need to check off on our bucket list, like, as soon as possible. Yeah. There's a series um, that, um, that came out this year that I'm extremely thankful for. Not a series specifically that is brand new, but has finally come back and is ready to actually, you know, for me to get back onto watching on Netflix, Kengan Ashura. Mm. I waited so fucking long for the second season of Kengan Ashura to come out. Yes, I did read all of the manga. Yes, that's also what's, you know, kind of, you know, putting me off from actually starting up the second season but just the fact that it exists now after waiting for like four or five years for it to come out i could not be happier yeah shout out to okay look i think anime and manga because i'm super biased towards that medium sometimes throws weird curveball adaptation announcements out of fucking nowhere and obviously kengan ashura season two is one of them and I you I was I did not like the idea of what season 1 was before I watched it, all right? It was 3D animated and it didn't have that fluid look, you know, and I and you know like it felt more like polygon pictures if I just looked at the trailer in terms of 3D use than Studio Orange, right? But I watched it and then I wouldn't shut up about it. So, it is it's one of those things where looks can be deceiving, first of all. So, season one, I really liked it. Uh, uh, let's talk about um, the one of probably the greatest 
character arcs I've seen in a martial arts, you know, anime series, Cosmos. Best best Dude, boy. Best boy. Best, best boy. boy for sure. Cosmo is so fucking lovable, man. Yeah. And then it was it's kind of like, you know, Doro Hetero, where like, oh, there's tons of content left to adapt, but we're not gonna get it, right, Will? And then you were like, Yeah, and then everyone in the anime community is like, We got that one season, let's just be happy with it. And then all of a sudden it's like, guys, um, you remember that Kenganasha series that we did like a long time ago? Yeah, we're gonna do season two, and guess what? It's gonna happen this year and then months later oh guess what it's coming out in a couple of weeks and we're all just like what the fuck like awesome so i'm i'm really grateful i haven't seen it yet but it's available for us to watch right now so i think we might wrap up this particular category of being thankful for specific series um and this is not necessarily a series in general this is let's just be thankful that 2023 has been a phenomenal year for anime and manga, specifically for anime, because there have been a lot of bangers that came out. Like I'm not even just talking about anime scores on my anime list, but the fact that we had Vinland Saga Season 2, which is fucking amazing. Bungo Stray Dogs is finally back in like full force with fourth and fifth seasons for this year. Um, if people loved Tsurune, they got that. Trigon Stampede fans, or, or even the original Trigon, uh, Trigon series, you got that. Oshinoko fucking destroying everyone's minds with their fucking one and a half hour premiere. Dr. Stone still doing really fucking well. Hell's Paradise. Yeah, Heavenly Delusions. Demon Slayer still slaying shit, even though the, the latest season is like, you know, it's not the best out of all of them, but still really damn good. Summer tends to be pretty, you know, low, but you still had things like, you know, um, Bleach. Uh, you also had um, Jutsu Kaisen second season. Really good. Hormia Peace. I mean, you were kind of like doubtful in terms of like, uh, this is a side story thing, but it still turned out to be a fucking beautiful adaptation I've, of things you didn't know you needed. We both thought it would be Treasure Chest of Courage level, and it turned out it wasn't. Yeah. Then you also had like My Happy Marriage, Undead Girl, uh, Undead Girl Murder Farce, Zom 100, uh, oh, Mushoku Tensei. Oh, by the way, uh, if you guys did not know about Zom 100 having a hiatus in production, they have announced the rest of the episodes are being released on Christmas Day. Damn. Okay, that's going to be or, a or one- Christmas Eve, I think, yeah. That's going to be a wonderful Christmas for people. For ep- episode 8 to 12, back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, and then like not even talking about this season yet, right? But you also had shit like fucking the second season of Spy X Family. You also have Apothecary Diaries finally coming out and, uh, you know, doing really fucking well um eminence in shadow second season right mm-hmm. that one's uh, destroying everything right now bar like fjernan so this year alone props props to all the studios for being able to put out really really good quality shit even the sevens were also really fucking good too yeah i think one of those things is even though i think there is an argument to be made about the anime market every season is oversaturated if your shit is all good even though it's oversaturated it's at least like everything is good and i think this fall season especially you throw a dart on any fall anime seasonal and you're gonna get a decent to a good time i mean let me just let me just throw out like a couple of sevens and see what i mean like campfire cooking fucking great right i Uh, loved it the isekai garden uh, garden isekai sorry 
Garden Isekai? Yeah, the one which is like the, he has a little harem of like garden. It's uh, the full name of it is yeah. Oh, Farming Life. Sorry, not Garden. Farming Life in Another World. Oh yeah, I loved right? it. Yeah, that one's a seven point five. You like Harvest Moon? Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. My clueless first friend. You I liked it a lot. I really, really liked it. Um, of course, there are people that also really liked Birdie Wing. You know, you got second season for that. Uh, what else you got? You also had um, oh that 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 depressing the depressed cat one. Um, oh yeah, my master, master the masterful cat is depressed again today. That one was surprisingly good. I really liked it. Yeah, you know? So look, sometimes you might be thinking like, there's. I mean, we have talked about it before, where there's too much damn anime every season. But like Jason said, if the shit's good, then fuck it. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, and just because like the Shonen or certain Seinen series like AOT is always the loudest, and sometimes rightfully so, right? I can't really say a lot of bad things, especially on the production side of any of those series, right? MAPPA with JJK, uh, Youthful Table with Demon Slayer, and obviously uh, MAPPA with uh, you know AOT phenomenal adaptation like if we exclude like the plot beats and stuff fucking fantastic and then okay you don't like the shonen you know typical action stuff will and just name dropped a whole bunch of awesome shows and i think it's just great right like something for everyone literally right every seasonal review that we do we always have like the oh i don't care about this i don't care about that but they make up a very like small minority of stuff that honestly, like, it was kind of easy to pick on them and just you know, slate them. But I mean, you had like sugar fat, sugar apple fairy tale. You had out of uh, nowhere, right? Yeah, you had the genius lady and uh, uh, reincarnated princess. Genius lady, yeah, yeah I really that, liked that, that show. one. Was pretty good. Uh, I mean, it was it started strong and then it kind of dipped a bit. But hey, look, like a seven point four nine, like that's a very respectable score. Yeah. So I'm I'm thankful for that. You know, the year of 2023, which is still going, by the way. We are not even that close to finishing fall 2023. Yep. We are, we, we, we are thankful. We are very grateful that despite how there's so much anime this year and it's hard to keep up, at least we're watching a lot of good stuff. Absolutely. So now that all that is out of the way, we will continue the happy good train. But we will first take a break, and then we will be back with the second half, where we'll be grateful for more grander types of things that's happening within the anime and manga medium. Yep. Will anything to say before we head off into the break? No, uh, more that you know. Later on, we'll be going over like tropes, trends, practices, specific studios, and in general, what we are thankful for in anime and manga as a whole. So we'll catch you after this break. Peace. We are back for the second half of today's episode, episode 71, where Jason and I will be giving thanks to many facets, many areas of anime and manga. We just got done talking about specific series, whether it be anime, manga, movies in general. Uh, And now we're going into, I guess, more specific areas within anime and manga. Usual, it's me, Will, Jason over here as well. Uh, 
what should we give thanks to uh, for for this particular uh, category? Then, like, are we gonna go talk about trends, maybe genres, things like that? Yeah, but I think first thing is we're gonna double back on something that we originally uh, crossed out, and then now we're gonna re-implement back in anime and manga trope. So it's gonna be a quick actual thing. Uh, Will, do you want to go first because you said something in mind or do you want me to go first? I do have something in mind, um, but I do need to discuss this with you on air. Would you consider specific genres as a trope? I mean, we could just say trope slash genres and just kind of include both. I am thankful we make the fucking rules, for right? one specific subgenre, the reverse isekai. And it's all thanks to uncle from another world not to say that like i'm bashing on isekais in general like i I like a good isekai but when you have a reverse isekai done well with the right amount of fantasy the right amount of shenanigans and purely like insanely good comedy as well i'm thankful that despite the setbacks in terms of production issues covid and all that that we still managed to get Uncle Isekai in all of its glory. Wonderful studio behind it as well. A brand new studio doing it as well. But this is not specifically about the, the series itself. But I'm thankful that there's someone out there that decides, you know what? Why don't we just not do a plain old Isekai? Reverse Isekai is a thing now. Yes, we don't get many of those. And that's why I said it was a subgenre. But I would be so thankful to anybody out there if they were to just, you know, push back on Isekai's and just get us more reverse stuff to work on. I think it's one of those things where in the beginning of the genre, because there is a plethora of like light novel titles and novel titles, there was a wealth of content to adapt. But over the years, now that it's become kind of a staple genre in any anime season... Everyone now has to kind of innovate within that genre. And I am extremely thankful for another subgenre of isekais now that we're on this topic. I thoroughly, thoroughly guilty pleasure love villainous. There's been so many this year. And it's all pretty good, I think. Varying levels of quality, but I don't think anything is outright bad or corny in the in a negative sense. It just does what it needs to do. And I'm very thankful for people within that genre that has been getting a lot of hate. Like, at, if we sort of personify the isekai genre as a person, it has been getting a lot of hate, even from us, and I think rightfully so. So what do people do in that genre? What does the isekai dude or dudette does in the genre? Well, we got to innovate. I got to change myself. And I like the directions that they're heading down. I think it's just a natural progression of like, oh, uh, Eminence and Shadow is technically an isekai, I guess, right? And I'm just... Would you consider... Oh, no, actually, no. Finish your thoughts, because I do want to bring something up uh, after this. I mean, also, don't forget Jobless Reincarnation, bro. Yeah. Like... Well, if we're, uh, now that we're talking about reincarnation, Deadman Deathplay. Yeah. I mean... That's a reverse isekai, 100%. And it was fucking good. Okay, not like... Okay, not amazing, but like for the time when we were watching it, Jesus Christ, we did not expect this to be a banger. And part two is coming out, right? And I remember before part one was even premiering, we were like, why are you already announcing part two when part one hasn't even aired? Oh, 
it is airing right now. But yes, season, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, we were yeah, talking yeah. about it at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, also contains a good yandere, a good yandere. For One sure. that you can actually like get behind and yeah. like and like not be a freak for like putting on a pedestal and you know praising. Yeah, it's not like Will and I talked about having a list of top ten yandere's. I mean, who would? think about putting up a list like that for something fucking like crazy ass like motherfuckers <laughs> we're ready for royal Rum- rose rumble number three coming next year valentine's day oh yeah we were looking forward to that it's gonna be dumb i'm so looking forward to it but yes reverse isekais or villainous isekais as subgenres. i'm extremely grateful because you take a genre that kind of ran its course for a lot of people kind of stale and you just change a little bit and then all of a sudden, it's fresh and new again. I am very grateful for that, for sure. Yeah. All right. I am grateful in terms of genres and tropes, but more on the trope side. We had a good amount of coup de race this year. Uh, a, lo- a lot of good coup de race this year. There were a lot. Uh, I would argue Oshinoko's uh, Aqua is kind of a coup de race. Oh, absolutely. I would say Fieren, obviously, is a very... Obvious coup de ray, near Automata. I know it's a video game. I know near. You know, there's a lot of content out there. Yep, but, a lot of content. But hey, if it's voiced by Violet Evergarden girl, fuck yeah, let's go. Tons of coup de rays that I think are just primo quality, primo quality. So I love coup de rays to death as like an anime manga trope, and we. We, we got good. We, we did good this year. So I'm very grateful for uh, the Kudere train has not stopped. In fact, it's only accelerating. Do we have any more tropes and trends, uh, tropes and genres, or do you want to go into the next one? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I have nothing else to be, I mean, I have plenty of things to be grateful for, but nothing I feel like I need to kind of put on a pedestal for the time being. We can always revisit it back. Again, it's our podcast. We can always just cycle back to all the old stuff that we talked about today. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we want to talk about trends and practices. So things that have been, you know, kind of like being done within the industry, maybe is like, you know, like anime viewing behavior. Maybe it's the way that anime and manga is being syndicated or released and whatnot. Just generally like the more granular ways of like how anime is just used, consumed, whatnot. I'll start really easy mentioned it several times adaptations and being ballsy and gutsy about it i think obviously mashal is a very well-known one i think even shield hero for 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 all the hate that it got in season two right i mean just look at that like it bounced back in a big way so it's so gutsy off the rip to be like yo we are just gonna adapt all of it or we're gonna adapt like multiple seasons and without gauging the public, you know, reception of it, it's such a gutsy move. And then not backing out of it is another gutsy move. We rarely get that in anime and manga. And of course, does it apply to every single series out there? Absolutely no. I would not even want that if I was in that position to, to, to like execute on the adaptation process. But still, Fruits Basket, it's not this year, but Fruits Basket is a animation like remake reimagining where from the get-go they're like oh yeah we're fucking doing all of it guys and we're all like you're fucking crazy and then everything came out and we're like 
oh, we were the crazy ones for doubting you. I'm so sorry. So I'm very grateful for these kind of gutsy calls when you are so like sure of what you have. One thing that I, I think going off of gutsy calls, one thing that I am grateful for, initially I was worried, but and I am now like very thankful for are extended premieres and longer length mm. anime episodes. Oshinoko, Fieren, and to an extent, hour-long episodes for Pluto. I mean, also, don't forget Apothecary Diaries. The first week, three episodes came out back to back to back. Who, who, who saw like this kind of shit happening? We're, now we're getting like movie-length features of like first episodes for anime. Like, nobody ever like, thought that that would be going to be like a, a normal thing. But yeah. I'm I'm thankful that it's becoming a bit more mainstream because look sometimes 25 minutes is not a whole lot to showcase your shit and you know how you do the three episode rule absolutely you yeah. don't need to do that anymore just watch that one episode and you already know if you're gonna vibe with it now there are a lot of either downsides or problems with having such an extended premiere but this is not the place for that we're here to be grateful rather than and thankful rather than kind of being more negative uh but i do think that conversation should be had maybe at a later date but nonetheless getting a lot of anime i ain't gonna complain especially if it's like you get to sit down in one go hour hour and a half and all the way throughout it is beautiful it is amazing okay so we're not going to talk about the plot beats of the first episode of Oshinoko, but let's talk about that first episode, the 90 minute episode, because how could you do it differently? You, you couldn't, I think like it was the one and only way to do it. And they executed it perfectly. Imagine like splitting that up, like Mugen train style. And I think like you can't right? And they tried it with the Mugen train movie as like a compromise. So I understood that they were just trying to make the best of that situation. But Oshinoko, imagine it. I think by the end of that first episode, it has laid out a lot of cards such that you know what the show is, or at least, you know, before all the twists and turns. But how could it be like, oh, watch the first six episodes because it would have ended as six episodes, right? And I think, right? Was it like 90 minutes? So it would be 25, 25, 25. Yeah. You know, like four. Yes, how? Huh? One thing I'm also very grateful in terms of what we've been seeing, not specifically in the past year, but maybe the past two, three years, especially like since, you know, COVID and all that, bringing back old series. Urusei Yatsura, Rooney Kenshin, Pluto, Shaman King. There's one other one I forgot. I can't remember what it was. But, uh, oh, Tri uh, Trigun. Wait, that's, I thought you would say uh, North Star. That too, but we haven't seen anything come true, out of it yet. True. But that is now like becoming the trend where, yes, it makes oh, sense. You know, Berserk. Oh, yes. Yes. Berserk also came back as well. Okay. Not the anime front, but the manga front after the unfortunate passing of the original mangaka, right? And then now it's continuing again, right? It's it, That's a gutsy call in of itself. Yeah. Right? So that's like, like the thing is like whether or not it works in the in the case of like for example like shaman king to some extent urusei atsura but then you also have stuff like pluto fucking things up you also have Rooney kenshin which is doing very very solid that you know the 2023 i'm surprised yeah. honestly yeah. but it's like again this is not something that's completely new right you know we like we said like fruits basket we had that with hunter hunter we've had that with uh, full male alchemist and brotherhood 
but and then I guess also I think the, the 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 greatest thing is everyone thought that Bleach was dead, and then when it came out of the shadows and literally it was like a phoenix rising above the sun, holy fuck, this was like this was it. No longer was Bleach the joke of the big three, and now it's like they fully deserve to have been in the big three in the first place. And I think Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War, is has so much baggage that came with it because with the mangaka and the publisher, there was a lot of problems with uh, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I don't know that how that relationship is with Thousand Year Blood War coming out. I'm not we're not here to say bad things. We're here to say good things. But nonetheless, it was the send off that I think a lot of fans were hoping for that gave up on. And then now that it's coming back full force. I mean, we went to a party when the first uh, Thousand Year Blood War part came out. And there was, I think, a young a, a lady friend that just wouldn't shut up about it in like a very positive way and got us kind of like, well, maybe we should uh we should watch this. Maybe, maybe she's kind of convincing us, bro. Like, holy shit. Like, she's saying all these things. I'm like, oh, I remember those characters. I remember that thing. I remember, oh, shit. Maybe, yeah. You know? So, very grateful for kind of reviving old franchises and definitely doing almost all of them justice. Right? Yeah. I think, that, look, it, this is obviously not a new trend. But it is a trend that we fully endorse just because, like... You, on the negative side, and this is just the only negative thing I'm going to say, it might sound lazy that you're just bringing back old series. You're not really like you know redesigning the wheel, but if the real the wheel's fine, then like just make more of it. I'm I'm completely fine if someone were to be like, you know what, we're going to redo Tokyo Ghoul. I would have no problem with them doing that if they were to do it right. Even if they did it wrong, I would still take. Hey, look. At least you made the attempt to try and revitalize something that was so esteemed that kind of failed to deliver on the anime front, and maybe now it's the time to deliver again. I mean, that's what happened. Like, that's why like Fuma Alchemist Brotherhood came out. There's a reason why Hunter x Hunter 2020, 2011 came out. You know, There's always a chance for everyone to have a revitalization period, and this is not me trying to push for you know a revamp of Tokyo Ghoul, but I would very much like that. Uh, the GAP brand and podcast fully endorse the opinion of William Wong stating that there should be a remake of Tokyo Ghoul. Damn, full I am, name basis. Okay. I am fully behind that idea. I think the thing of remake being kind of old and lazy is very a common conception, and I think a lot of People do phone it in, but I think it's a also a, a kind of a lazy criticism too. Right? Yeah, I think a more apt kind of comparison using video games is imagine, um, you know, Dark Souls the original versus the Dark Souls remake, where it is Dead Space. Yep, the Dead Space is also a very good one, where the old original video game is so good, but then rather than saying it's a remaster or or, or like a simple up res upscale. It's just it, a modern version. It of is it, a yeah. fully like almost like new game, new look, but the backbone is the old thing that we all know and love. So it's. I mean, see like, how how much like how much waves like the Resident Evil Two remake like made like holy shit like I didn't play it I watched enough gameplay. Oh, I played it. it was great and people fucking love it. 
I also love uh, Resident Evil 3. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I fucking love Resident Evil 3. I don't know why why people didn't like it. I thought it looked good. Because of the tyrant um, mechanic. Oh, okay. Where it's like a dude that constantly follows you. Yeah, yeah. Resident Evil 4, that was also another good one, too. They, I mean, that that one reinvent the whole genre, all yeah, right? Of the third-person shooter, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, listen, like, the remake thing is when you just look at Fruits Basket, the OG, and then look at Fruits Basket remake, it's honestly two different animes. Yes, has the same characters and plot beats, but it's two different things. Like, it's not just a simple, oh, we'll just put a new coat of paint. It's it, that's not fair to say it like that, and I'm grateful for a reimagining. I think would be a better, appropriate term rather than remake, even though it is a remake. You're yeah. right. One other trend in practice that I'm very thankful for is the continuation of producing series that have a whole lot of nothing but still make you feel very comfortable and happy. Not oh, specific, you, like Inushike. Not specific Inushike, but like just watching series that you literally don't need to think you don't really need to do a whole lot but at the same time it it gives you that kind of healing feeling i'm not talking specifically about the genre um, but just generally having more of these series coming out so for example at the very beginning of the year handyman saito not a whole lot was going on you're just watching people bumbling through a dungeon but Dude, that was very comforting to watch, especially when you had the little snippets. You you need to finish it, though, because actually you might change what you just said if you finished it. Yeah, The first three episodes. That's what I was saying. Okay. Then you also had stuff like Insomniacs after school. You also had stuff like... That was a fucking mood, bro. It was a vibe. You also... And and I think, arguably, you know, one of my favorite series of this year, Skip and Loafer. Definitely for me, too. Right? It's those kinds of things where it's like you don't have to continuously watch, like action adventure heavy you don't need to watch like the supernatural mysteries you don't you, you also don't need to have like a lot of like dramedies or it, it, it's there if yeah. you want it but but you don't need to right to an extent as well like yamada-kun level 999 i also found that to be very comfy too mm-hmm. so like, i'm just glad that we still have these genres these 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 productions coming out every year that i don't have to keep on chasing that adrenaline rush i don't need to look for like of course, like real etchy degenerate shit to continuously enjoy watching anime. Sometimes you don't need to see a whole lot on screen to just appreciate the beauty of anime and manga. Uh, I'm making a prediction right now for both of us, Will, that for spring 2024, uh, we should just spend an ungodly amount of time talking about Yuru Camp Season 3. That's oh all, my god. That's all I've oh got to say, god. right? That, like that that's what I was like, also like, leaning into. Yeah. Yeah, like speaking of like height comfy shows, that's kind of like the goddess, right? That's like Kamisama god tier level. So, I would say two trends and practices. Uh unfortunately, we'll mention Skip and Loafer, so I have to say that trend first is opening dance sequences in your uh. OPs. Because, look, listen. It was so good. Listen. I do that dance with my fiance every now and then. <laughs> listen, guys. Hear me out. So, I understand that not everyone subscribes to the belief of going through the OP and EDs. I don't blame you for it. I really don't. I'm not going to judge you, even though I do it almost, like, all the time. As in, I sit through it or, you know, just embrace the theme music. But if you need to convince someone, anyone to stay for the OP and EDs, a dance sequence is definitely going to do it. 
all right? A dance sequence or eye-popping visuals like the Oshinoko opening definitely is going to do it where you will feel bad if you skip it, you know? Like skip and loafer opening dance sequence, you, you, can't, you can skip it, but you shouldn't. You, I don't think you want to if you have to. So shout outs to making OPs and EDs. I mean, the Vinland Saga OP, for fuck's sake. Holy fuck. Was it Anonymous River? So fucking good. It, it, and you're not even a huge Vinland Saga fan. You I'm, like it, but you're like, there's probably other stuff you want to watch. But like, when you saw the opening for Vinland Saga Season 2. I, list, I have that on my Spotify anime playlist. How about that? Let's also talk about shit. I, uh, Trigun Stampede. The OP and ED, irregardless of how you feel about Trigun Stampede, the visual aesthetics are phenomenal. Let's talk about... We can't not talk about Kaguya-sama's well, OP and ED. Before that as well. What's up? You do have the... I mean, like, I know you didn't like it that much, but you do have to give a special shout-out to the bullet time scene in Trigun Stampede, where there was the rain of bullets coming down. That was a fan... No, what do you mean? I, I, that yeah. was a great yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. We have to give a special mention to that if we're going to be talking about Trigun Stampede. Like, in terms of singular episode to convince anyone that, like... Trigun oh, Stampede's actually pretty good. You're not yeah. doing Beastars or Land Illustrious. You're doing Trigun Stampede instead. But that was convincing of me, right? Like, oh, okay, you are using your time wisely, like uh, Studio Orange. Like, no problem. I may not necessarily love Trigun, but, like, I'll be like, yeah, no problem. You, you did good. Uh, the other trend that I'm saying, I'm going to mention, which is a bit more on the speculation side because I don't know for a fact if it actually is a net positive. But through what I know as like an, obser- you know, an observer without having inside industry knowledge is split curves as a practice. I think split curves do several things pretty well in maybe giving the studio a bit of a break in between Maybe in terms of not over like stimulating the fan base. Yeah, you 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 don't want to like fatigue them, right? You exactly. want to give them a little bit of a break, maybe like a season or two in between before you go into the second part or the second half of your double curve. It also remember when we uh, talked about Netflix, one of our like I I don't want to go negative, but it is a criticism of binge culture because mm-hmm. the conversation is like instantaneous and then it disappears right yeah but whereas a split curve is kind of like has a more ebb and flow of the entire like because it's technically over three seasons right it would be whatever season it aired then the break and then the second split curve so it kind of carries that conversation going and who knows maybe in practice in in ooh, what the hell was that in reality there was it is not as rosy as I make it out to be, but on paper, at least from what I know, the practice of a split cur is a very welcome compromise to the trials and tribulations of being an animator or an animation studio. There is actually one thing I do want to reverse back when talking about like revitalizing series. Fuck yeah, let's go. Let's um, go. I mean, slam dunk technically. Blue Exorcist season three is coming out in twenty twenty four, baby. I liked Blue Exorcist. I don't. You have no opinion of it because I, I actually have not ever watched it. Yeah, but there is one more trend that I do want to talk about, and this is more hopeful than actually like realization. But I would love to see more adaptations of 
manhwas. <gasps> Solo leveling coming out January 2024 is probably the most hype way you could start off the new year. Okay. Okay, I I was hoping you didn't mention solo leveling because, well, I'm telling you right now, our seasonal bet, I'm currently in the lead. So, therefore, I get first pick. Uh, I'm sorry, solo leveling is my first pick. You're, uh, you're not going to be able to pick it. That's okay. I, I got other stuff in there. I, that I, no, I, I mean, there's plenty of stuff for January. I'm just saying that that one is off the table, off you, the rip. You take solo leveling, I'll take Dungeon Mishy. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like, there's just a lot to look forward yeah. to in, in and, 2024. And, and if it was reversed, you would pick Soul Leveling, and I definitely would pick Dungeon Meshi as well. So it is what it is, right? That's actually interesting as well. We were talking about like bringing back old series, and I mentioned um, Blue Exorcist. Uh, Shaman King Flowers and the second season of Yurusei Yatsura are coming out at the beginning of next, of, of next year. So like, hey, this is this is definitely a new trend. Things that were old and loved are going to keep coming back. And for this particular episode, the topic we're going over, we're going to be thankful for it. We're not going to criticize anything in this episode. As much as we can, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am also extremely thankful and grateful for the practices of Simulpub. I think Simulcast has now been a very typical practice you, for you would, everyone. You would expect it. Yeah. Right? But... Simulpub is something that is, I mean, the manga digital space is a bit lagging behind the anime streaming space. I think that's just a fact that everyone knows, right? So for Simulpub to happen and to have it in like a digital, you know, platform space is something that I'm extremely grateful for because I don't need to worry about waiting for the whole volume to come out. I can just get my Jump Plus, you know, deluxe plan and just read the latest thing just like another Japanese student, high school student would be in like a Lawson trying to read Jump Plus or Jump. It wouldn't be Jump Plus. It would be Jump, right? I think that's the perfect segue into anime and manga platforms and companies that we are extremely thankful for, Jump Plus. The fact that now they have a brand yeah, new... Jump Plus slash Manga Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, now yeah. have a brand new subscription plan, which gives a whole lot more access to the world for a very fucking low price. And with the whole Simulpub back, uh, backing it up too, reading manga has never been easier. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, of course, it still requires some money, but a whole lot less than if you needed to go and buy hardback, you needed to buy digital copies... Or you had to have like some crazy subscriptions. You know, talking about you, you know, fucking, you know, the manga up platform and all that. Look, at least it's there. Yeah, but uh, I think like you know, and you, you can, yeah. you, they can always improve, and they, I think they have to improve, or else it will go downhill. But, yeah, but it, you're trying, right? To, to give specific thanks, Jump Plus, Manga Plus, Shoisha, y'all done a really fucking good thing here. Because now, like, it is so easy just to pick up your phone, your tablet, uh, and just open up the app and read whatever the fuck you want for but, a low, low price. But let's double back to manhwa real quick, right? I think uh, vertical mangas are also now a thing now in, mm-hmm. the, in, in, like, the Shonen Jump Plus Manga Plus and other platforms. They did trial a little bit of it, you know, early on. I forgot which series it was. Um, I need to look back up. But, yeah, the whole the scrolling instead of reading it horizontally... I'm all for it. And I mean, what, Tower of God, right? 
is getting second season. So it's not like the the whole manhua like trend is gone. And I just I am grateful for what has been released thus far. And uh I mean lookism I think wasn't I No, but even then, like manhua as itself as a medium and having webtoon, neighbor Tappy Tune, all the different uh, platforms that you can go and read your manhwas. I mean, dude, like there was a year when I wouldn't shut the fuck up about Bastard. I wouldn't stop talking about Sweet Home. Uh, there was another one. Oh, Dr. Frost is another, another one that's really, really good as well. Yeah, I, I, I read Dr. Frost a lot, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good manhwa. And this is not to say that it's dead and buried. It's just that we don't cover a lot of manhwas on this podcast just because there's already too much for us to cover. But we do need to give a special thanks for Manhua holding the fort strong and really pushing for you know more adaptations of that medium for the anime. And also shout-outs to Manhua platforms like Naver and Webtoons, Tappy, for getting the monetization right. Yes. You know? I think their monetization... It couldn't is, be more simple. It's so simple, but it's like... Exactly what they need, exactly what we want and need in terms of, yeah, maybe monetization is an issue for a lot of people, microtransactions, but like... It's the most idiot-proof subscription plan. Like that one I can totally get behind, right? So there's no hate towards... In fact, if anything, it's like praise. It's grateful. You like reading manhwas? Here, here's a bunch for free. Oh, uh, this one is behind a paywall. Oh, we'll make it very easy for you to buy stuff. Or just wait. Give it like twenty four hours, and we'll get you some free tokens. You you want a notification? We'll tell you. Don't worry. Oh, you know? it's Halloween period. You know what? If you read these three chapters of this manhwa, we'll get you some free coins. Sweet. Do they expire? No. Fuck. Okay. Great. Like, what's what's the drawback? There must be like a rug pull here somewhere, yeah, right? It's funny because it's always like, oh, there's always a catch, right? Because we're, we're so like ingrained with there needs to be the fine print catch, and when there isn't one, you're just kind of like. Nah, bro. No, no, no. Don't, don't, don't do this to me. There needs to be a catch. Almost like there needs to be something that fucks me over. But in, it's there, too good to be yeah. true, man. But then sometimes, guess what? It is what it is, right? And then you're just like, huh? I didn't know that. You know, being somewhat ethical and moral from a consumerist standpoint can, actually can exist. Can you be know, a thing. I did it. It's so dumb. You just, I mean, granted, we, we just got done like doing an episode on production committees and all that. You would think that it's all doom and gloom and just a whole bunch of evil. No, there's also some corporations that actually care about its consumers and give them what they want for or, a very suitable price. Or trying the, their best in that situation and context, right? That yeah. maybe never will get the credit that they rightfully deserve. Okay, um, for probably the second or third time that we have mentioned in this episode alone, I need to be grateful to, I don't know if it's one person or a multitude of people, uh, whoever's working on Disney+, Plus. Uh, I need to shake your hand, I give you a hug, high five, someone at Disney should give that person or that team a raise, for the licensing choices. If you can only choose like that one show per season or per two seasons, and you said, oh, I chose Heavenly Delusions and Summertime Render, I would say you're a fucking madman. You're crazy. Not like the simple safe choice. You went with, albeit like awesome choices, 
But it's not something that if you think about it from like an executive or licensing team, you would gravitate to. Maybe there is a thing of you couldn't get the other licenses that you want, but the ones you chose are fucking dope. Yeah, it's not like they went the easy route and said, you know what, we want all of Naruto. We want all of Demon Slayer. No, they were like, give us something that is a little under the radar, but I guarantee you the metrics are there. Let's be real. Disney can say or do whatever they want with the money that they have. Maybe their Netflix license... I'm sorry, Netflix. Sorry, I slip of the tongue for you. Slip. Their anime licensing team doesn't have like a wealth of budget or you know connections. Or maybe it's just not at the forefront of their business plan. Absolutely. But whoever's working at that division, you're telling me you managed to convince the Disney Corporation to executively like have on their catalog of five titles, mind you. And I wouldn't count Star Wars Vision because that one is Star Wars, so it's like their own IP. So you're telling me that of the four shows, which is Tokyo Revengers, okay, that that I ex- excluded. And also, of course, the Tommy Time Machine Blues. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah. I should have remembered that. My bad. No, I forgot about that one, too. Both of us. And that's kind of sad, actually. I like it enough, I suppose, you know, but I guess I'll just read books okay you know? but actually that also strengthens my argument right it's like tatami time machine blues you have essentially a promised neverland in heavenly delusion style and then you also have summertime render and i can't even begin without spoiling anything so i won't about sci-fi let's just say that it's sci-fi ish murder mystery it's fucking amazing it was, it was my top anime of, of 2022. Like, how the fuck are you going to convince me that that person or that team should not... I should not go out drinking with them and they're not going to... I'm not going to have a good time. Like, off the rip, it's like credit. It's like, oh, past my, like, rep test, you know? So shout out to that guy, girl, lady, team of people over at Net... I said it again. Disney anime. Doing the licensing. I want to give a special shout out to not specifically like a studio. Well, okay, no, it is a studio. Um, I talked to you about this off air. I'm very thankful that Madhouse is back. Hell yeah. It's not like they've been dead and buried. I mean, over no, the last no, few years. No, they, I mean, yeah. let, let's be real. You know, they like, weren't dead and buried, but they were like kind of dead and buried you know yeah i mean like dude this is a studio that gave us so many bangers they did hunter hunter jihaya furu they did the kaiji series uh they did they did uh rainbow uh which unfortunately we can't watch as they don't like syndicate it uh, outside but um you know for a long time didn't seem like there was a whole lot yes they did have sunny boy two years ago which you quite liked there was a little bit a little weird but you know you still oh, liked i loved it, right? it yeah then you also had like you know of course overlord season four but during that time they also had you know in my opinion duds like uh tacked out destiny uh more recently um ai uh the gene of ai very very bad show but they didn't no bummers no bummers no i'm just kidding yeah they also then did do um yamada kun level 999 which is a decent showing but mm-hmm. to start their revival period with a two-hour premiere of Frieren, and it is now holding a 9.04 raw score on my anime list, which is enough to put it in like the top 10. It's eighth across the whole platform on my anime list, and this is for everything. Now, the thing is, 
on one hand, I can kind of, if I, if you if I were to see Fiera and Beyond Journeys and as an IP like the manga and their the accolades there, and then also to, you know, know all of like the staff members that are behind that production. When you say you have a you you want to make a big splash, a big impact, and say you have a two hour premiere. I would be like, yeah, that's a no-brainer, of course. Put all your eggs in that basket. That is like, in terms of betting and making picks, that is like the most surefire bet and pedigree with the manga behind you. I mean, right now, like across like top TV series, it is tied fifth for best overall. And it's sitting along with Hunter x Hunter 2011, along with Bleach Thousand Year Blood War. What, what about AOT? A- no, AOT is uh, fourth. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. But it's just despi- specifically season three, part two. Right. But despite the fact that in many ways it's one of those surefire safe bets, to still be like, we trust Madhouse. Yeah, I think to this is like their coming out party. Like maybe beforehand you heard murmurs of Madhouse here and there coming back to town, hanging out with the boys, but you don't know for sure. Then all of a sudden. When you guys are hanging out, everyone is at some party, boom, doors open, you get Fieren, you get Madhouse, they walk in and everyone pauses and looks and welcomes back everyone the old vet. Everyone just stands up and just, you know, round of applause. Or no, they, know. they bow. That, that, that's oh, how yeah, it goes, even, right? Even the Yakuza style. Yeah. Respect. Not applause, just straight up respect. So, yeah, don't, like, you know, put some shine on Madhouse. They are, I, I'm going to go on a whim and say it. They're back. Oh, no, 100%. I think you can't look at what Fieren has done and not say that. Yeah, you have to give credit where credit's due. I'm so looking forward to what they're going to do. Because look at what they did, you know, pre-Redline. I, I love Redline. But, like, even, like, all that pedigree. Think of, like, Satoshi Kon, Hosoda, uh, you know... Uh, Yuasa, Yuasa did do yeah. Madhouse and Shinkai with. too. I think everybody's got some some ties with Madhouse. Everyone who are like massive influential anime manga creators, whatnot, and don't forget, Mappa basically is Madhouse 2.0 in in many ways. So Madhouse is like phenomenally crazy. Yeah, actually, I almost forgot that both Kaiba and uh, Catherine Sins were both you know Yuasa and Madhouse. Exactly right. It's kind of crazy. Then to come back after falling out so hard because mainly through like Red Line, I think we talked about being like the nail in the coffin to then come back. And then with Sunny Boy, it was kind of like the first thing on my radar with that Madhouse has done. I mean, I think they have done like several things around that time, but I was just like, hmm, are they kind of back? Then when we heard about Fiat and then Madhouse were doing it, we're like, no way. Yeah, like for a good no period of, way. For a good period of time. Chahayafudu, Hunter Hunter, uh they did um Spice and Wolf, Summer Wars, uh they also did uh Diamond of Ace, uh Parasites. Parasite was them, no game, no life. Parasite Maxim, right, right. Yeah, Maxim. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, like, did they did zero? I think they did zero as well. Yeah, no game no life zero. Yeah, they did. Right, right, right. Yeah. So dude, they even re- oh, and also um a place for the universe. That's also Madhouse. Shit. I didn't even know that. Yeah. They, this is a studio that, like, for the longest time was the studio, right? Like, and then after a while, like, people just kind of forgot about them. You know, I think right after um, Jahai Fudu Season 3 came out, that was kind of it 
I mean, there was Sunny Boy, Overlord 4, Tapped Up Destiny, Police in the Pod. Uh, there was also the, the movie uh, Goodbye Don Gleese that came out back in 2022. Actually, just last year. Uh, hour and a half movie. Um, but not a whole lot of like movements within the Madhouse side. And now that we actually have Fieren, like propping Madhouse back at the top of the hill, I, I, I can only be thankful and hopeful there's going to be more Madhouse productions down the road. I mean, we grew up with Madhouse, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there is that. And I think also the other thing to consider is all that stuff that you said, we also have to take into account that you and I and probably the people listening to this podcast are more dedicated followers of anime and manga rather than the general public. No throwing shade. It's just people follow different mediums at certain levels of fervor. It's all good. It's all great. But I think Fieren is something that made such a splash, just like Oshinoko for Doga Kobo and, and High Dive with Oshinoko as well. It just puts it on a map. Yeah. Everyone now knows Fieren. And then through that, they will know Madhouse. So it's just a very happy, positive reunion and return of a very well established studio. Yeah. I mean, like for a long time, when you talked about One Punch Man, you talked about Madhouse. You don't talk about JC staff. No, no bum. I'm I'm trying so hard not to say anything else. Yeah, but yes, and mm-hmm, let's be hopeful mm-hmm, that the third season of One Punch Man is gonna be good. Um, okay, so I do have one more thing I want to talk about, but I'll delegate to no, you. No, you no, you can do that because I will. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll go first. So this thing happened 2023. Of course, we're not saying. All of our stuff that we're grateful for is only happening within this year, but we're trying our best to limit it to this year if possible, but we make the fucking rules, so whatever. But this anime did not come out in 2023. But it might sound weird, but I want to thank Crunchyroll. But specifically, the Crunchyroll Anime Awards for 2023 Anime of the Year giving it to Cyberpunk Edge Runners. Yes, I love Cyberpunk Edge Runners. A lot of people love Cyberpunk Edge Runners. That's but, not like But to have the balls to be the Crunchy Roll Anime Awards and give the best anime to a Netflix original. Ex- exactly. Like put some respect on that. And you did it in Japan. So I mean it's not like to say that a locale necessarily is a make or break situation. But this was the first time they did an award where they at studio execs producers, directors, and staff watching the awards. Did they do it in Japan previously before? No, no. right? No. Well, for, for a few years, it was all done digitally because... COVID. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's and the other thing. Post-COVID, like... Their first awards back with in-person audience. And and say what you will about award shows, about even the Crunchyroll Award nominees or winners. Like, say all you want about that. I mean, shout-outs to uh, Gigguk when he was streaming the awards and losing his god... I, we, we watched it live in an izakaya yep. when we were... I mean, we're not going to say the location of the izakaya, but we were watching it live on my phone and losing our fucking minds when they announced it live that Cyberpunk Edge Runners won Anime of the Year. Because, yes, it is a Netflix exclusive and you will never, unfortunately... Well, theoretically ever get that licensing right but it's kind of like the big brother giving acknowledgement 
with its most grandest award. Say what you will about award shows, right? But it's still like a gesture of faith, that of good faith, nonetheless. That is like, sure, you can say that the Crunchyroll Anime Awards is of its relevancy is maybe not there, but still, I think it is a very awesome gesture, a really nice gesture, and kind of is saying in a in another way, like we want this award show to be about anime not just the animes that are on Crunchyroll right it's kind of in a way yeah you can be a bit pessimistic or cynical and be like oh it's trying to be overarching and trying to be bigger than it actually is but you have to look at it as a win for anime in general yeah it's it's fucking awesome that it's, they it's, did it's, that it's, it's literally it's game recognizing game knowing that yeah, yeah. Like, that's such a good way to put it absolutely right it's like and and it's like their most coveted award. Imagine the Academy Awards giving it to like, uh, like a film that is like never on anyone's expected win list, or or you put it on there as a nomination because you just you know kind of want to give a nod, but it's never gonna win. We all know that you put Bochi the Rock, you put not Bochi the Rock. Uh, what was the other one? Like Licorice uh, Recoil. Yeah. Like yeah, you put it on there, but like you're it's not gonna win, right? It's gonna be. This or that. Or you put Cyberpunk on there as like a nod, but you're not going to say it's the winner, right? And then they're like, watch me. Watch me just do what you said was impossible or or like never going to happen. And uh, guess what? Despite what a lot of people feel about the Crunchyroll Anime Awards, I think a lot of people undoubtedly would say that they're talking about that win. Right, they would probably. I mean, was it the anime man just doesn't like the Crunchyroll Anime Awards? He even talked about that win. I am going to say something contentious, possibly controversial. I would say that in terms of weebdom, in terms of the effect on anime, this win for Cyberpunk Edge Runners at the Crunchyroll Awards is more significant. Then spirited away winning the Oscars. 100%. No, no, like for real. Because you also have to understand the context of the Academy Awards and Miyazaki and everyone wanting that acknowledgement and then getting it. And then, you know, uh, okay, say what you will about the actual Oscars and Academy Awards, but it's kind of like, okay, you got what you wanted. You're never good. Or like, oh, you know, the unfortunate saying of, Okay, we, we we gave Halle Berry the 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 win for Monster, I think. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, guys, shut the fuck up now. Okay, we gave the one to Denzel Washington for um, shit. What was that like drug movie? Was it Man on Fire? No, 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 no. Training Day. Training Day. Right. Man on Fire was still really good, but it's like they 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 caved in and it's political. I get it, but so, but it's kind of like shut the fuck up now. We we gave what you wanted, but you know whatever. But here it's like. Within within like recognized like game anime recognized game anime professionals execs studios and like the two biggest companies in anime with Netflix and Crunchyroll well okay I say Netflix as an anime thing in this context yeah we should is, say Netflix anime I get it, you though. it is significant because you have to understand that regardless of how you feel about the industry or streaming platforms or companies. Crunchyroll is the most influential within that space. And then, obviously, Netflix has the reach, the money, the pull. 
and, and you know, it does its own thing, doesn't really do seasonal animes, although recently, for at least for Hong Kong, they do simul uh, cast, which is I love. It is such a ballsy thing because it's kind of like being inclusive. Yeah. And I love that. And running off on that, I think that, you know, if, you know, we, we talked about this before, but got to give special thanks to Netflix being legitimately the all-in-one solution when it comes to streaming. Right? Like, they have a very, very wealthy collection of documentaries, TV series, live action, and animated. And anime has never been better on Netflix than ever. So, not to say that, like, you should pick Netflix over Crunchyroll, especially if you are, you know, hardcore weeb and you only watch anime. But if you are wanting everything under one roof, Netflix is just done well yeah it's it's the all-in-one solution rather than the specialized solution right and it's a damn good choice i mean think about cyberpunk edge runners and then pluto as their probably prominent netflix exclusive i think komi san komi can't communicate kind of half counts and uncle isekai kind of half counts because you know the whole like Netflix exclusive versus Netflix original anime. It's like a weird like distinction that even yeah. like we couldn't figure out exactly. But there is like an actual definite uh, difference. But fucking they, they're, they're fucking back again too with, yeah. with like Netflix exclusives. It, it makes oh, my it, happy yeah. marriage. It makes a very good argument for hey, if you could only pick one subscription, it's Netflix. Oh, Netflix exclusive animes have fallen off in terms of the titles. Well, guess what? They're back. We we can't say shit for this year. They're so. fucking back. So, um, any other platforms or companies you kind of want to give a shout out? We've covered them. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm just there's just a, lot, a whole lot of thanks for all the ones we've mentioned. Now, let me talk about net. Let's go on to Netflix. Let's talk about Crunchyroll. Let's talk about High Dive. All of this as a medium. As anime and manga, Jump Plus, Manga Plus, all of this under one big roof as anime and manga as a medium. What am I grateful for? I am grateful for the growth of the community. Because think about the past couple of years, Sim being on the number one billboard chart. Think about Oshinoko breaking records for Spotify streaming. Yes, it's music-related, but think about how much anime and manga has grown as, like, an accepted medium, especially in the West, right? Wasn't there, like, a Dragon Ball premiere, like, GT, I think? Mm -hmm. Or or the one where they fight Brody? Yeah. And it was airing in, like, uh, Spain, I think? I think it was just called Dragon Ball Brody. Right? Is that is that the series? What it's called? I, I'm I'm not familiar. I, I'm super, we're not DBC. I, I, brands, yeah. I, I'm super sorry about that. But they premiered it at like I think like a park or something, and it is just like filled like look. It looked like a rock concert of people just watching a movie or a premiere out in the public. I remember uh, I we never really reported on it, but I talked to Will about Kaiju Number Eight being in a French subway advertisement. Yep. Then there was like these building, like oh, don't even forget about what happened with Blue Lock as well, right? Yeah, like it's everywhere. It's 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 it, it, it's now like a medium that is not only widely accepted, but it's kind of like what was it? Netflix also like released a survey where like fifty percent of all of its users 
have at least watched one anime series. Let's talk about the Mugen Train effect. Let's talk about, obviously, your name from way back when, but still, Suzume made a huge splash. Let's talk about Hosoda with Bell and getting a standing ovation. The acceptance of everyone with anime and manga as a medium, we can't call it, a, we, we, it is a niche, but you can't call it a niche in the traditional sense anymore. Like, you just can't. It's impossible. Speaking of traditional, one thing that I'm very thankful for, we talked about a bunch of studios and companies and whatnot, but this is more the encompassing landscape for production companies and studios in general. No longer do we have strangleholds for top anime from Madhouse, from Cloverworks, from A1 Pictures, from uh, MAPPA. It has now officially become a very even playing field. Or at least as even as it has ever been, right? Let's just talk about this year in general for OLM. Of all fucking studios, they not only did fucking Oshinoko, they also got Apothecary Diaries happening right fucking now. They did Komi Can't Communicate. They obviously did Summertime Render, yeah. Dark Gathering got some pretty good you know, results for, for Summer as well. But there's also other studios that are just fucking crushing it as well, right? Like, for example, um, Toei Animation, when they brought back uh, the Precure series, that was very, very popular at that, that time. Uh, you had, um, what was it? Uh, oh, Shinne Animations with the reversal for Dangers of My Heart. Like, it was doing real bad, and now it's sitting at an 8.25. Uh, Takagi-san? Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, And then this was the crazy one. For Summer, which tends to be a bit of a lull, you had Zanzigan for Bang Dream, It's My Go. You had Bug Films for Psalm 100. Lappin Track for uh, Undead Girl Murder Farce. Kamena Citrus for My Happy Marriage. Uh, and then um, the, 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 the Masterful Cat is Depressed Again. Uh, Horimiya Peace with, also with that Cloverworks, one, That one right? was Gohans. Leiden Films doing pretty decently as well. JC Staff here and there. They're still, they're still doing good stuff. Doga Kobo. I mean, Dokobo Oshinoko, that's it. That's it. Let's just... Oh, sorry. Yeah, Oshinoko is not uh, all that. It's Dokobo. Yeah. So, like, even the little guys with high dive, right, is still making strategic choices where it is, yes, it is odds are against you, but it's almost like an anime arc in of itself. It's like David versus Goliath. Like, I ain't no... Like, I don't give a shit about if the odds are stacked against me. I'm still going to try my best to hustle and make it. And then also on the other side, Goliath Crunchyroll is being like, yo, Netflix, we we might be like adversaries, but we good. Like, let's sit down and have like a great dinner meal. And then let's go on the battlefield and fight each other afterwards, right? It's kind of like this thing where... All of these things are like redemption arcs, revenge arcs. Everything like art that's happening behind the scenes is encapsulated with anime and manga tropes that oh. I just think is like beyond crazy. Another mention of a studio that is like punching well above their weights and I'm glad that it's changing the landscape of production studios. Geek Toys with Dead Mount Death Play. Like the goofiest fucking name for an anime studio and they're pushing out some bangers. I mean, I'll be honest, like Geek Toy sounds like some Funko Pop bullshit. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's just be real there, right? Like, give me your Beyblades. Like, oh, yeah, 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 Geek Toys, right? No, no, I mean, I don't think Geek Toys own Beyblade at all. But, like, yeah. Let's also, oh, yo, game recognized game. We forgot about this. We should have, I'm double backing. The Witch from Mercury. Yep. Gundam. Yep. Probably the most dude bro, 
long-running franchise Gundam is kind of putting money where their mouth is and is like, uh, let's uh, not only do female representation, but let's have them as like the main character. Say what you will about like maybe the content or how it's performing because it is still performing extremely well, but it's just something of breaking of tradition in like a, in my opinion, a very positive sense. It's so ballsy. The focus on female main characters is a very welcome one because of the fact that it's not to say that we're trying to you know change like gender dynamics and whatnot. I think it's very, been very, very clear that it's been a very male-driven industry. A lot of main characters for any series tend to be male. But I mean, now all those harem stuff is all geared towards dudes. Yeah. Let's just be real, but, right? But now you've got Fieren, right? Apothecary Diaries. You get reverse isekais that is more like, I guess, shoujo, female, reader oriented, right? I think my new oh, boss is Goofy right Heavenly now. Delusions. Yeah. Strong female character that was central to the whole series. Uh, my new boss is Goofy, I think, was very popular in Japan for female readers, right? Things like that. I mean, you, 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 we got to have a special mention for Skip and Loafer as well, right? Absolutely. You, right. Uh, uh, Ancient Magus' Bride, back mm-hmm. again. Right. Yep. You you like we welcome this. Yeah. We love strong characters, male or female. But I think I think it's less about the gender as much as good characters and good writing, right? But to me the issue or not the issue, the impact of the Wish from Mercury, I guess, is a very symbolic gesture, right? Because it it's, is historically. Yes. Historically it's always been a male centric main character or any females are like damsel in distress trope or are kind of put by the wayside or i think in double o the female was like the strategist right but it wasn't like front and center on the poster like middle main character type thing it's no longer that's my guy it's my girl yeah and and here's the thing also props to namkai bank uh Na- namco, uh, namco bandai yeah. oh yeah yeah my bad my bad uh they Rather than just saying, oh, we feature the first female uh, protagonist in franchise history and just phone it in, they went all the way with it, with posters, with like, you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to kind of say that to get brownie points, but it's another thing to be like, okay, let's, if we're going to do this, let's just do it right all the way with everything and give it the same treatment. So, yes, it's the first female franchise, and yes, it does have brownie points. But we're going to give it the same treatment regardless. It just so happens that this would be the first female and hopefully more to come or a mixture. Who fucking knows, right? I'm just welcoming any change to any medium, whether it's anime, manga, live action, whatever it may be. If the writing is good and you got the right people to do and represent those specific characters, I don't care what their gender is. I don't care what denomination they are. I don't care what affiliations or whatever sort of any kind of you know way of characterizing them. I'm just happy that this is a medium with an anime and manga for us that we get to see change. It's no longer just fixated on the old traditional ways of doing anime and manga. Which is really odd if you consider kind of the Japanese way of things is being traditional is respecting your roots and in this way it's not like they're abandoning their roots either it's kind of like respecting where you're coming from 
but looking forward to see where you're going. Knowing full well that you may also incur a lot of criticism from your own fan base when you change things too much. And stumble along the way yourself and feeling bad about it, but then... Because let's be real, right? Which from Mercury definitely got a lot of criticism for the portrayal of a female main character. Yeah. But you're going to get hate anyways, but right? we don't give a fuck if you don't like that. You know, like, it's it's a fucking good character. It's a fucking good series. Yeah. I mean, arms up. Like, what's the hate for now? You can't hate on it. It's a good series. If you liked Gundam, you shouldn't care who, like, what gender your main character is. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. Any other thanks you want to give? There is one before I get into show notes, but that's about it. There's also one I have one to give, but you you go first. Hopefully, it's not the same thing. Okay. I am grateful not to anime and manga. I'm grateful for the podcast, Will. I'm grateful for you. Uh, like, listen, this ain't the end of this journey. Dear listeners, don't worry. But sometimes it's good to chill out and give thanks and give credit where credit is due. We went from episode zero to now publishing over a hundred episodes we won't give like the inside baseballs too much but across all the bps ad's and the eps you're listening to so i am extremely grateful for the reception that we have been given and there are a lot of you out there that probably won't show your face or show your voice or contact us even though we do welcome it good or bad but uh, we uh, thank every single listener out there for listening on two dumbass dudes who just love anime and manga to bits and uh, decided to just talk about it on on, on the internet, right? So thanks. Uh, we do have a lot of stuff planned, massive changes per usual. And I'm also grateful for like the podcast having the ability to morph and evolve with, for example, our ASAP being extremely popular and receptive. And I think we were all very, like you and I were quite surprised. At, and I haven't even told you about the latest ASAP reception, which has been insane. But thank you, everyone. Thank you, Will. I know you're super busy with a lot of, of, of shit. Thank you as well for managing a lot of the stuff whilst I, you know, wither away with uh, my, my current projects. It, it is what it is, right? But you still manage to like, come in every time we record i i could not have asked for a better partner on this Aww. podcast uh, uh, I, that, and that's why like uh, my thanks is is for you the fact that look we we came across as friends in the most unusual of circumstances we were fucking hilarious we were just playing board games you happened to be there i happened to be there we were just putting together a ragtag team of people who wanted to play a board game we really had no other reason to see each other afterwards other than to play board games and then one day you know you pull up your anatomy list no no it was you me yeah yeah and you're like you're on Mal? Like, yeah i'm on Mal. yeah what's up it was the first time i saw the android mal platform oh uh let me show you something. And then you pull up your mouth. It's like, so you're a weeb too, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then it just kind of happened and it kind of escalated in like a very positive sense. And here we are, right? Three years on. Almost three years on. Yeah. Yeah. There's January 26th would be three years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Actually, technically, it would have already been three years if it was pre-planning stages, right? Yeah. So, damn. Like, let, let's keep this shit going. And uh, I will tease a little bit. I know we probably should tease it at the season finale, but... Let's just say the... Stop honking. Yeah. uh, But there will be voices 
that are not just Will and I. They're not just in our heads. <laughs> yeah, and you will hear these voices soon. We have a we have a lot of new content we want to come up with. We have a lot of new formats uh, for the content. We are we are going to be testing the waters, and we're going to be making sure that no matter what we present, what we record, that we fully entertain every single one of you. And we are extremely grateful for you guys putting in your headphones, your ear pods, when or if like you you're sleeping or whatever, or on doing your drive work, to and from work to school, commute, whatever, like all like a wide range of age groups and uh, places, right? We thank all of you. I think that's the, probably the best way to, to to summarize this episode. Damn, yeah. It, if it weren't for y'all, we wouldn't be doing this. Absolutely, and we are eternally grateful for that. Both to Will and I, thank you so much. And just to be again very clear, this is not a farewell. This is merely an idle standby to give thanks and then we keep going okay just want to be clear because our next fucking episode is a season finale so it's going to be hardcore yeah, at that we point got, we right? got a lot of stuff coming up for season seven so we are grateful that you are listening now to my housekeeping script portion of the podcast you can always reach us through our email gapallette at gmail.com that's g-a-p-a-l-e-t-t-e all lowercase all one word using the handle at Palagood, that's capital P and capital G, all one word, or through our GAP Discord server using the invite link in the show description. We have a website. We encourage you to check it out, www.goodanimepalette.com, all lowercase, all one word. Music credits for this episode. Our intro music is Never or Right Now by ELFL. Our break music is Not Gonna Wake Up, the instrumental version by Mind Me. And our outro music is Like the Ocean by The Big Letdown. You can always support the music artists that we feature by listening to them on Spotify, Apple Music, or other various music listening platforms. And our royalty-free music was provided by Epidemic Sound. If you're interested, you can sign up using the referral link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. We gave a lot of thanks in this episode, and I'm very grateful that we were finally able to do an episode where we just we don't even just actually like talk about watching anime or reading manga or not we're just recollecting all the good memories that anime and manga have given us and giving you know the appropriate thanks to the respective people mediums properties anyone that's connected to the industry i mean i don't know about you will but for me every time around this time of year i would tend to be more like look back on that year i think a lot of it's not it's a very common thing right so or usually around this time i i think a lot of people would take a look back you know that kind of thing and we thought hey even though we can't have thanks i mean we could technically have american thanksgiving but like if we can't be in america let's just give thanks well we also do thanksgiving in canada too it's just in in, in october yo what would be on the menu for anime thanksgiving like like dishes, like like what would be anime centric dishes? Yeah, for me, like whether the ingredients is from an my, anime. My or something. starter would be, let you know, I know what my dessert would be. Okay, the dance sequence from Skip and Loafer. All right. Okay. 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 All right. All right. Would you get Shogugeki no Soma people to do Thanksgiving dinner? 
No, I would get them to provide the entertainment. I will get restaurant from another world to do the dinner preparations. I would get Shogeki no Soma to hang out with while the dinner is being made. I would go for a 12-course meal that's presented in the format of Oshinoko. And that is just a straight-up roller coaster of flavors and emotions. Would glow sticks be provided? Uh, well, I mean, not necessary. But this is an anime Thanksgiving, so might as well throw some glow sticks in there. Absolutely. Okay. So before we go off uh, and sign off for uh, this episode... Next episode is our finale episode, so it's going to be a drunk fest for three hours, and Will and I are just going to have like an awesome time. Hopefully, by then, my more setup would be a bit more, you know, well equipped. I've got my special segment ready for you as well. Oh shit! Really? Yep. Nice. Already done. Let's fucking go, bro. So you know, from us at the Good Anime Palette Podcast to you, the listeners, and anybody else who just happens to come across this. Thank you very much for listening to this. Don't worry, Kato.